Ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between, welcome back to the Invincible FC podcast. And today, we are going to be doing a double feature. You'll be served with this episode and then immediately following another episode uh, about the Champions League because that's coming up starting tomorrow. But today, we are going to be addressing the Premier League Match Week 5, how it went, our thoughts on it, how our predictions did, things of that nature. And I must say, what a week it was. <laughs> this was a heck of a week of action, both for the Premier League as a whole, so many late goals, so much exciting late drama, and for me specifically because, wow, <laughs> did I do well in predictions. I so, was so close to doing um, well. Dude, you so did – uh, we all did well. We all did pretty good, except Connor. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I did guess – six out of the ten matches correctly. I just didn't get any three-pointers. Exactly. I was very close. Three-pointers are massive. You live um, by the th- hey, man, you live by the three, you die by the three. Yeah. Exactly. Fair warning, uh, it seems like Zelda wants to make an appearance on this podcast. Uh, she's she's going pretty crazy right now, so <laughs> listeners, you, you'll you get familiar with my cat tonight. Yeah, my cat's acting a fool right now, too, so it might be a double feature. There'll be a lot of feet lines involved. <laughs> my cat, unfortunately, does not exist, so only got uh, two, two podcasts. We're going to have to work on that. We're yeah, yeah, Josh. What, yeah, yeah, Josh. At, we'll name it Invincible, yeah. and then we'll have, a, <laughs> we'll have a set. <laughs> um, it can be the pod mascot, bro. Yeah, exactly. The All right, well, um, let's not waste any more time. Uh, let's let's dig right into this this fixture in front of us here. Um, we'll start from the from the, the top or the, the bottom, so to speak, with Wolves-Liverpool, and we'll work mm-hmm. on through the weekend. Uh, I want to put a little special emphasis on some of the games from uh, the game from Sunday morning because wow, and then some of the games from Saturday in that 10 a.m. slot were just yeah. amazing late drama. So yeah. there's there's some good stuff to, to chat about. We'll dig into some fun things, but let's start with Wolves Liverpool. Um, we all predicted it to be a Liverpool win, and it was. None of us had Wolves scoring a goal, and my guy Huang came through again to. Ruined my prediction because if he hadn't scored, I would have gotten three points out of this game. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, pretty cut and dry Liverpool victory. Not too much surprising from this one for me. The evolution of your opinion on Huang throughout this podcast is yeah. quite incredible. You well, for- I still hate him. I still hate him, but hating I have him. to respect him because he's a very good player. <laughs> yeah, I've been saying it. You would have, like, a year ago. You would have freaked out if he if he ruined a result for you like this. Well, I I, mean, I, mean, I think I freaked out week one when he ruined a result for me like yeah. that. Um, I listen. It, Huang is somebody who I identified pretty early on as somebody who I didn't think was all that good, and for a lo- he spent a long time proving me right in that regard. But this season. I mean, ever since the World Cup, his performances have, yeah. have definitely turned up a little bit. And this season, he is playing very well. He reminds me a bit of Leandro Trossard at the start of last season, where he's just, like, red hot out of the gate. You remember Trossard scored, like, 10 goals at the start of last season? He's except going crazy. His, yeah, of course, except his goals mattered because, you know, they were getting results. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. Huang is not – I mean, and that's the thing about Huang. He's a good player, but he's not enough to keep Wolves up. And he's probably their best shot right now, which is not great for them. Well, I'd say Pedro Neto. He's been struggling. Yeah. I've always been a big fan of his. I think Cunha is a big shot. Um, That's yeah, four assists. I just realized. Never mind. Wow, I didn't even know that. In the this, in this game against Liverpool, it, it seems like um, 
like I have more thoughts on this game from like a Wolves perspective than a Liverpool perspective because the Liverpool, like we saw, like they struggled in the first half. Klopp made the right adjustments, but I think from like a Wolves perspective, I'd be a little disappointed with how the team played at that start of the second half. Mm. I, if I was Gary O'Neill, I would be asking for an extra 15-minute push instead mm. of going right into, def- like, we need to defend this lead. Because if you give Liverpool an entire half to get back into the game, they will. Yeah. And Wolves had us on the back foot throughout the entire first half. We had, like, two good chances at the very end of the first half but they all came like they came from the same play. But other than that, it was all Wolves. And if they just kept up that pressure into the 15, first 15 minutes of the second half, go for the second goal, go for the jugular, try to get the win. Instead, they defended and immediately Liverpool took control and it was game over. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah, I think, I think that's, I mean, that's a story as an Arsenal fan that I've, uh, struggled with and I've been that, that, that's annoyed me a lot is is when they take a one no lead and then they just defend um, instead of going for more um, but yeah I think Wolves were really good in the first half and they could have easily been two at least two up I mean they, they had some really good opportunities and they didn't take yeah Cunha really bungled yeah. that chance mm-hmm. yep um, but you know Liverpool's quality showed out I don't have too much to say I think you know that we did expect that Liverpool would get over the line um, and Wolves despite, I think, playing well in some matches, are one and four about where we expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not very good. They're just not very good. We all kind of knew it coming into the season. I think it was the worst-kept secret that Wolves weren't going to be very good. Yeah. But somehow Everton are even worse. So, <laughs> Lord only knows. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think overall pretty cut and dry. Exactly what you expected from Liverpool. Um, some promising-ish signs from Wolves. There is a formula in there that keeps them up, but it's it's going to be hard for Gary O'Neill to find, and we'll see what happens. There um, are there are good there are teams competing with them definitely that that could keep them up because there's a lot of teams at the bottom that um, it, it could be scrappy. So, yeah, I mean, I think Wolves if they stay up, they'll stay up on the sheer power that saved Everton for the last two seasons, which is just there happened to be three teams that were worse. Exactly, exactly. You know, I mean, there could be. I think they're very well they're, they're realistically very much could be. I mean, because you're looking at Everton, Sheffield, Luton, and um, Wolves are kind of those bottom four. But there are other teams that could end up in that. And conference. Burnley's down there for now, but I do not think they're going to end up. No, there. I don't think they'll stay. We'll get if Wolves that. have a player that can get them 10 goals, whether or not yeah. that player's in the squad or they can pick them up in January, they will stay up. But they don't have a player like that right yeah, now. They, yeah. And they're conceding too much too. Their identity was was getting on the line with one no wins and mm-hmm. uh, and staying in matches. Um, and the you know <laughs> they're not doing that. So no. So. All right. Well, anyway. that's more than enough time spent on wolves. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the Aston Villa Crystal Palace match, which is one that was um, really really exciting. And infuriating. Three one score line. Infuriating for some people. Definitely infuriating for some people who might have predicted this game to end 2-1 in Aston Villa's favor when that third goal went in. There was a lot of celebrating from me, who had a 3-2 Aston Villa victory. Josh and Connor both picked 2-1, so it saved me from them both getting three points. 
What was it with like half the game Saturday morning going well over a hundred minutes? Oh yeah, for you now, the Saturday morning fixtures were nuts. Yeah, that was that was a great morning of of Mm -hmm. soccer. That was so much fun to watch. Yeah, it's the Premier League for you now. They're going really, really deep into added time now. Um, Well, I don't necessarily disagree with it though. I think the stats that say that only in play for an average of sixty-four minutes per game. Mm-hmm. Last year, it's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I I don't disagree with it. I, I'm just saying that is what it, we're going to be getting a lot more. No, nah, gotta love it from a neutral's perspective. You gotta love it when yeah. it happens to your team. Not very much fun. <laughs> exactly, um, and I and I do think it's going to be impacting the smaller. It's going to be benefiting the bigger teams and and hurting the smaller teams as it looks like it's already done. So you know, with with the Sheffield mm-hmm. match and the the already massive gap between the top and bottom, but. Regardless, for this match, very frustrating to watch because you know it was it was one nil until the eighty seventh minute. I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna get the result. They'll score, and then suddenly I'm I'm a goal away, and they they get the penalty and take it. And I'm like, you know, I've, I've gotten three points, and of course they needed a ninety for or one hundred and first minute goal, just like Gabby Jesus did to take away for me last week. Um, but Villa, you know, as for the match itself, I think Villa's in in good shape. They're still very very solid and dangerous team yeah i mean i think that's exactly what i'd take away from this match it's it's brief my notes on this one um it was an exciting game but villa showed their class and palace showed some promise they're hard done by to not get anything out of the match they led for almost the entire freaking thing um or at least you know we didn't trail until literally stoppage time but that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes you're Mm -hmm. you're you get kind of owned and last last things last here John Duran's goal oh. was unbelievable. He has torn league apart. Yeah, that was that was a great, great goal. Nineteen from the MLS. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he only played like half a season in Chicago Fire before they 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 shipped him right out to Villa. That was, I mean, Villa snapped him up quick and for like twenty five million too. I think mm-hmm. that was a good piece of business. Yeah. Yep. We'll see what happens next. And it, it like seeing stuff like that makes you excited, right? Because there's a number of players in the MLS who are young from South America who could be looking to make that move soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think of Talis Magno at NYCFC. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's names, yep. and, and that that's that's a big moment for all of us, or not for all, you know, for all of us MLS and American fans. That's it's a cool moment. Yep. Uh, all right, Connor. Anything to add? Sorry, I kind of skipped you over there. Uh, not too much. Disappointed that third goal was went in. Um, but I did expect Aston Villa to have just, just enough to get over the line in this, in this match. Um, I did not expect it to be as late as it was, but that's the beauty of the Premier League. So much fun. All right. Fulham Luton, uh, ended one nil in Fulham's favor. Uh, we all picked a different result for this. Connor had Luton winning two one. Josh had a two nil Fulham win. I had predicted a two, two draw. So Josh gets the point. Nobody gets three. Um, this was a a pretty boring match. Yeah, uh, I'm just gonna say it flat out. I didn't mm-hmm. watch it. I watched the highlights, and they failed to keep me very interested. Yeah, if the highlights are boring, that's tough. Um, <laughs> I was hoping Luton could go over the line. Like I said in the prediction, they are gonna get points at some point during the season. They are gonna get a win. They're not gonna go winless, but. I mean, 
I'm going to have them win next weekend against Wolves. So they are playing at home. Spoilers. There it is. Uh-huh. Next weekend against Wolves, there's things. Well, they play Wolves, Everton, and Burnley. Two of them at home, so. Yeah. Those are winnable. All, those are all point-gettable games right mm-hmm. there, but we'll see what they're made of. Yep. They can seize their opportunities. Yeah, Fulham, I, they won 1-0. It was what it was. They had most of the possession in this game. Yeah. They played all right. Yeah, I could have I, – I could see why you guys had this as the match that Luton breaks out, but Fulham just has much more quality. Yeah, that's yeah. much all there is. I do think it's concerning, though, that I believe Fulham had like 72% possession. If you're Luton and you're doing that against Fulham – that's tough signs for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they yeah. got to do it, though. Don't have the quality. Uh, not quite. All right, well, we'll, we'll do Tottenham-Sheffield United next. Another game that has some late drama. Sheffield in the lead all the way deep into stoppage time in the 98th minute where Charleston scores an equalizer for Tottenham, and they managed to snag a winner. Um, a frustrating match for Arsenal fans who were enjoying watching them lose to Sheffield. An even more frustrating match for Sheffield United fans who had thought their club had snagged a big three points in their relegation battle. Um, anybody thoughts? Yeah, just heartbreak. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's an it's an incredible comeback from Spurs. You got to give them credit. They're they're really showing a fighting spirit. Um, you know, this isn't this isn't something we've never seen before, but it's it's an incredible comeback. Um, 90, 98 and one hundredth minute. Which is incredible, and also I do want to shout out Richarlison, um, who has been dealing with some mental health issues. He he went vocal about it this past week, and came back and scored his first uh, Premier League goal for Tottenham at at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and assisted the winner. So, really want to shout him out there. Not his biggest fan, but that's a massive moment. I do think though that's what happens when you have a manager like Ange Postecoglou where you can see a player start to make that recovery a bit faster than, mm-hmm. I mean, under Conte, you could only see this getting worse potentially. Yeah. Um, but a manager like Pasacoglu will back his man and right. um, get them, get them fighting again. Was that Richie's first goal of the season? Yes. Okay. Well now he, he and Conte have drawn the same number of goals out of Richarlison <laughs> in their respective seasons at Tottenham. So. I mean that yeah. tells you a lot. It yeah. Tells you a lot right there. Um, let's let's tidy up the 10 a.m. slot with a fixture that Connor and I watched together, um, and I know we're all going to enjoy discussing this one because wow, do Brighton have Man United's number? A three-one victory. I picked two-one. Connor picked three-two. Josh picked a one-one draw. So Connor and I take a point each out of it. What a game this was for Brighton. Oh boy. I I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, yeah, I had a draw, but I absolutely I, I could see a Brighton win more than I could see a United win. United shit straight up. That's all I really have to say about them. Um, I knew they were going to be shit this year, and Brighton is is really flying. They are, despite me knowing that they you know they're obviously a very talented team. I knew that before the season, but they're they are still exceeding expectations, and they're doing much better than I expected them to do. So, all credit goes to them. I picked these two teams to finish back-to-back on the table, and I'm almost wishing I had Brighton ahead of Man United because Connor and I were watching it together, and we, we both said, like, it 
it looks like Brighton's going to finish ahead of Man United by how this game is going. Absolutely. It didn't look like a fluke. Brighton just flat out outplayed them. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the craziest thing is like in the first, what was it, like 16 minutes before uh, Welbeck opened the scoring, it did seem like United were very much in the game. And it just took one attack from Brighton to completely change that. One attack, they score on their first real chance, and it was game over. Like, after that goal, you just don't see United coming back. Not against a team like Brighton. Um, I did have, like, a closer result than this. I didn't think United would come back, but I thought they could push them further. But after Mabry scored the consolation goal, they really didn't have any openings for United, and, like, they were done. Mm-hmm. And you see that time and time again from this team. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. There's um, a, there's a lack of mentality there for sure. Man, ten, man United have ten hogs, ten hogs you know, weak non-competitors, and they know it. Mm-hmm. They know it for sure. I mean, this it's just like I if I were a Man United fan, I'd be I'd be a, a bit frustrated with how mm-hmm. things are going right now. And Eric um, Ten Hag is a bald fraud. Absolutely, he's he he is. Talk shall, about we, shall we revisit? Shall we revisit when we ranked all the Premier League managers? And I had Ten Hag. What was it like? Thirteenth, and you? Yeah, you like I had two heads, bro. Come on now. <laughs> am I not? Right. Am I not vindicated no, respect. now? Respect. I don't remember where I put him, but yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, for as well as I think he handled the Ronaldo. T- situation i do think he was right then he has really failed with jade on sancho not just with sancho but the mason greenwood situation he failed to i mean that's probably out of his hands but he's not Mm -hmm. it makes him look weak when he's not allowed to to assert his control over that yeah seeing anthony alanga go that's pretty crazy i was saying anthony Oh well, the Anthony situation is out of his control entirely. Yeah, I yeah, I, I do Anthony, think those two Anthony situations. Anthony looking like he's headed down the Mason Greenwood path. Yeah, true, but it's just it's just a culmination of so much, so many issues going on at the club that you know he's he's you know he's been only adding to the, the fuel to the fire, the fire that has been Manchester United as a football club, um, and he's just pouring excuses everywhere. Everywhere it's excuses. Everything, nothing's his fault. Nothing's his team's fault unless it's Jaden Sancho. Um, but like every single match you see him, you see him, you know, making excuses about the other team. Uh, I'm pretty sure after, after this match, he was saying that Brighton um, spent just as much as United or something like that, which was proven very false that they've spent like, like one twentieth of United's, you know, spending spree in the past few years. It's just absurd. The things he's coming out with, it really is. It's also like- to back it up. Who says that after you lose to a team? Yeah. I also, who says that after getting so many players, he specifically as the manager of I think Manchester United has that, yeah. himself handpicked to come in. Mm-hmm. Lissandro Martinez, Anthony, um, now Amrabat. So many. Like all of these players. I think he was responding to criticism f- like from a question from reporters. So uh, I think it's the fact that he brought it up, but it's the fact that he... <laughs> That he was comparing what Brighton's done to what they've done, and Brighton has handled themselves incredibly well in the market in the past few years. Um, you know, last week as well, he was blaming every single part of that Arsenal match. Um, I mean, he, at some point, you got to look in the mirror. 
you got to point, you got to stop pointing fingers and you got to just deal with many of the issues you have internally and improve as a squad because they have a long, long, long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. They certainly, certainly do. Um, Shouldn't have gotten rid of Fred. Shouldn't have gotten rid of Fred. That guy works hard. Yeah. That guy works really hard. I never disliked him. Fred is, he's a player, man. He he plays football. Um, (laughs) That he does. All right, let's bounce on to Saturday afternoon's match. Probably not a game that any of us want to spend very much time talking about, but a game that Josh and I both reaped three points out of. Mm-hmm. It's Manchester City 3, West Ham 1. It looked for a while like West Ham might get shifty and prove Connor right, but in the end, his 1-1 draw prediction proved a little too confident in them yeah. because City City – were that team in the second half. They really kind of did the, did their thing, and uh, it was pretty impressive. I think that game was the definition of that specific meme where you're, you're like, playing a, a video game and then you sit up when you're losing. Yeah. Um, it was that. You know, City, City didn't really have their foot on the gas in the first half. They, they had a lot of chances, couldn't take them. And then instantly in the second half, you know, new signing, Jeremy Doku, fantastic player, amazing talent, really exciting player, scores a great goal. And, you know, all hell breaks loose. At that point, I knew it was over, honestly. It was only 1-1 at the time, but they held him for a while. And then City became City. We did the job. Yeah. yeah, this was a tough one. But, you know, City have to drop points at some point. It will, gonna start it will, it will maybe happen. They still haven't played Brentford. Uh, True. True. They still haven't it's gone to Spurs. Happens. Yep. But, yeah. I mean, City gonna City, Holland gonna Holland. Uh, and pardon me, I must say this: this was actually also a 10 a.m. fixture. I misspoke. The 12:30 Saturday afternoon fixture was Newcastle versus Brentford, which we're I'm just gonna plow us right on to because I have had enough of Man City already. Um, <laughs> I picked Brentford to win two one. Josh picked Newcastle to win 3-1. Connor had a 2-2 draw. Newcastle end up with the 1-0 victory, so Josh snags a point. Um, much less interesting match than I wanted it to be. This was pretty drab, typical Newcastle home performance. And they take the three points. Yeah. But, yeah. but they needed it, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Connor? Uh, well, they didn't need it, but uh, the thing that I was more focused on this game is this is the first time I think we've seen this this season where Brentford have really, really missed Ivan Tony because there was a few chances that Wissa got on the end of and he completely fell apart in front of net. And one chance he didn't even get his foot on the ball on a very good chance. Um, and... Uh, like you can say this for the entire first half of the season um, whenever Brentford drop points, but if they have Tony, I think they get a result out of this game, um, whether it's a point or a win, but they, they really missed him today or Saturday. Yeah, I agree. Tony's uh, a massive presence for them in, in the front of the pitch and the end in the games where they are struggling and they're playing against an opponent that's better than them he seems to be the one that comes up with the magic moments. I mean, we saw it against Man City last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, they obviously were missing him. And, and Visa and Bomo, as well as they've started this season, they're not as clinical. Um, so 
we'll see how they they deal with that down the stretch and you know in the longer term so far it's done well but this was the first time you're right this is the first time that they've um that's really come back to haunt them one thing that really could come back to haunt them in the future is the injury of rico henry um yeah. one of the best left backs in the league fantastic player tore his acl in that match really sad for him um and worried about how they're going to replace him that, that's a big big loss yeah yeah as soon as you saw him go down mm-hmm. and saw that there was no contact yep. it's never good never. it's never good nope never ever good never uh, ever 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 good also uh, i do have to say very weak penalty Mm-hmm. extremely weak penalty Anthony Gordon <laughs> one of my least favorite players in the league one of my least favorite athletes in sports dude this um, man Connor <laughs> deserves an Oscar nomination for that one uh, he really sold it but All right. I, I, I'm sorry I, he's just so incredibly hateable and um, he's the worst I don't love him but all right all right all right i agree he sucks a lot but let's move on to something that's going to make us all happy bournemouth nil chelsea nil um i hope none of you woke up early on sunday to watch this one if you aren't a fan or don't normally get up early because it's not worth your time this was boring game i watched the second half at the bar we were waiting for arsenal to get started and wow was i not entertained i don't, so, I don't know all i, I will think say in the second half taking this match to chelsea at the at the end yeah in that's the last what, I, 15 to 20 minutes bournemouth had as many chances if not more than chelsea did yeah we're just talking about chelsea dominating couldn't score but i i really felt bournemouth had some incredible opportunities Every time Bournemouth had the ball in Chelsea's third, they looked more dangerous than Chelsea could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Bournemouth probably more disappointed than Chelsea that they couldn't get a result out of this game. Yeah, um, it, it's what I expected. Not not a nil nil. I had two two, but I didn't think much would separate these sides because right now, if I'm being honest, I think they're on similar levels which is absurd to say. Um, but Bournemouth does have talent, uh, and they, they absolutely could have won this. Chelsea also could have won it, but they don't really have any attacking threat. Um, yeah, I mean, they had a player starting in their midfield that I'd never heard of. I didn't know he signed for them, Leslie uh, Ogochuku. I'm saying that right. Um, mm-hmm. I'd never heard of him. I mean, not, nothing against him. I'm sure he's a good player, but it's just it's the state of Chelsea Football Club right now. Yeah. This is I, I had way too much faith in them going into this weekend. Um, Never have faith in them. No. No. Yeah, Connor, with that sweet 3-1 Chelsea victory prediction, I had the 1-0 Bournemouth win. There were a few moments where Bournemouth were, like, flashing shots at now. I almost, I almost peed my pants. I was like, oh, man, if that went in, bro, and they won 1-0, <laughs> I'd have gone crazy. Um, but it ended nil-nil. And it was pretty boring because of that. That it was. So let's. So this is kind of crazy. There were two games on Sunday, and only one goal scored. But it was yeah. by Arsenal, thank God. Yeah. In a one-nil victory over Everton at Goodison Park, first time Arsenal's won at Goodison since I think 2016. 20... It's been. It's been about. It's been five years. 
since yeah. we won at Goodison, and that's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the boys went in there and got the job done. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was a struggle. I mean, it, it was a one-sided affair, 100%. You know, it, there was only one team playing, and this was 74-26 possession. Um, Arsenal had the ball the entire time. Everton never posed a threat. They never looked lively. They never were, you know, they never were pushing forward or playing with an identity. They were playing to get a point, and that was pretty much it. Um, and Everton's just not a fun team because of that. Like, <laughs> they're not very likable, in my opinion, just because they're frustrating to play against, but they also have no identity. You know, that's by, that's dice ball, and it makes it difficult, but they're all, they've also got one point in five matches. Arsenal were dominant. It was very frustrating, but once they got the goal, you know, it, it let a lot, a lot off the hook. Um and they got to, you know, breathe a sigh of relief. What's what, you know, frustrated me a lot is the fact that after they scored, they finally just started to let Everton come back as if they were nervous. They should have just kept piling it on because Everton didn't sniff a chance beforehand. They should have just kept the ball and, and kept going for it. But a win's uh, a yeah. Josh, I'm going to be forced to disagree with you there. I think they did the yeah. perfect thing right there. They held yeah. on to that 1 0 victory, got your boy the three points out of the match. Oh, me and Arsenal both taking three points. Come on. True, now. true. I did want the 2 0, but. That's the selfish version of it. The unselfish version for me is I want Arsenal to win. Yeah, no, I agree <laughs> they should have they should have piled more on. It was a little bit frustrating yeah. the level to which they kind of just scored and settled. Although I will say it was never that much of an issue for me because Everton just don't present any goal scoring menace at all. Yeah, but if they were ever to do it, it would be a ninetieth minute equalizer because I mean Yes, that's what they did to us last year. It was mm-hmm. heartbreaking. It made me very sad. But that's they, man. I they're just they're just different this year. Something mm-hmm. about Everton feels different this year. I know it's early to say that, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't think they have the same sauce that they have. You know, what I mean, I think I think I, I that's that's going to be missing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I think of like the first half where Everton picked up the ball. It was, it was DeCorey picked up the ball and took it from in Everton's half into Arsenal's half and just had nowhere to to progress the ball to. Just took it himself into the box and eventually got stripped of it. But there was no other other option. And that was Everton in a nutshell. Um I think DeCorey was the only one who actually put in any sort of performance for them. Um, and, yeah. Yep, I agree. I, yeah, I mean, Everton mounted eight shots, only one of which was on target for a total XG of 0.34. So, in 26% possession. So, it wasn't exactly dominant football. But yep. that's what you get. What you see is what you get with Everton. Let's uh let's bounce on along to this this last one and tidy this guy up here, because uh just a few hours before we all got together to speak here, Nottingham Forest and Burnley drew one one, uh which I will humbly remind you all that I did in de- indeed predict exactly. So I'll take another three points out of this game, and yeah, I I mean I think this is these two teams are on a very similar level right now, and it feels like there's not much between them. Uh, I thought there was, honestly, I, I didn't see the whole match, but of what I watched, it looked like Burnley had a lot of chances and 
they continue to look good. I keep saying it. I think every time I see them, they they are getting hard done by by the results. I, I think they play better than the results they've been getting. Um, they've looked lively for a while, and and I thought they were really on the front foot a lot. And oh, I, I turned it on when it said two one, and then I was watching a replay of them overturning it, um, like at that moment. And yeah, I, I know I told you in the moment it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a handball. It was a handball. But all right, um, I, I figured you were just trying to. No, I, I thought originally I actually thought it was a handball. I actually thought it was really hard to tell. It looked like it is chess. It looked like it was very harsh to, to give it, but I, I looked at another angle and it was. Um, but even after that, I thought Burnley had a lot of chances until um, the sending off of Lyle Foster. But um, yeah, I, I still think I still have a lot of hope for Burnley, is what I'll say. Um, I, I think they're going to start to get the results because they're a good team and they're playing United next. And I mean, don't look now that could be the first win, but um, what is the handball rule? It's your hands and handball. <laughs> no, but like then it's, you, you can't, you asked one of the banned questions. Yeah. Right. The FIFA I, police are going to show up at your door mm-hmm. pretty soon and, and <laughs> drag you to Qatar. Podcast ruined. We can't. We can't discuss this anymore. No, you. You. Uh, well, ruined is a strong word for it. <laughs> um, no, I. It's if you score a goal, you can't have used your arm in the play at all. You know, even if it's unintentional or by your side, like that wouldn't have been called as a handball in open play as like a foul. But mm-hmm. but he scored. You know. Yeah, I get. I get why the goal was disallowed. I agree with that. But in terms of. Like Nottingham, Nottingham Forest had a penalty shout earlier in the game, mm-hmm. and like I, I'm assuming the reasoning why it wasn't called is the shot came in too quickly. The defender never had time to react. But if it's based off of whether or not the hands in a natural position, it was pretty far out from the body and mm-hmm. clearly blocked the ball. I, I honestly don't know what what the metric is right now. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, all we know about handball is that that was it. So there you <laughs> go. Um, all right. Well, I think that pretty much does it for our Premier League match week review. Boys, thank you very much for joining me. Um, thank you. Listeners, thank you for listening and hopefully laughing at us a little bit because why do we sound stupid? Uh, we'll talk to you guys <laughs> in the next one. I will win the next one. And I'll keep my lead. No, you won't. Yeah, unlikely. See y'all. Peace.